Hey, welcome in. Thank you for listening. Welcome in. This is the Oh No Disc Golf Podcast. My name is Kyle. I'm here with my wonderful co-host, Eric. And we are Oh No Disc Golf. We're a podcast that just got started here back in February. And uh, we're all the way up to episode 15. So happy and proud to be here. Again, thank you for listening. I'm joined with my best friend in the entire world, Eric Wolverton. Eric what is a good tangent? Give me something random today. Stop throwing buzzes. Throw more EMAC truths. If you're using any mid-range but an EMAC truth, you're wrong. That's about it. I mean, I'm down. Yeah. No, I, mean, I, I agree. Unless you're sponsored, then you don't really have a choice. But. Or if you like got a regular truth in a starter kit or something. I think they put EMAC truths in the starter kit. Do they really? I think so. I saw somebody today with a uh, full dynamic starter kit. Yeah? I was like, oh, yeah, no, that's like the one of the best ones you can get. It escapes Besides Tornado sweet. Throw. Yeah, Tornado Throw is pretty sweet. I, I honestly, I gave it to a beginner arm, one of my wife's friend's husbands. Uh, we went disc golfing, and it it's, it's like, uh, he's a pretty beginner arm, and but, you know, he's not horrible i took some videos of if you want to see him throwing it's on the tiktok instagram youtube turns over the uh driver pretty nicely yeah gets a nice big s curve out of it yeah he was having fun with it yeah i was gonna almost gave my driver to a little kid that was on the course with their dad today but i still wanted to get some more footage with it definitely in case you can't get enough of us head on over to our link tree our instagram our facebook our Twitter, our TikTok, our YouTube, and our Patreon. Um, all Ono oh Disc Golf. You can find us on any of those sites by just searching Ono oh Disc Golf. Shout out to our two Patreon members, Staying Strong, Sean and David. Thank you so much. Head on over to our Teespring store, teespring.com slash stores slash Ono oh Disc Golf if you want to support us and get some of your own merch. Use the code Ono oh for free shipping. We just put up some new merch. I worked really hard on it, guys. Some of it's pretty silly. I don't know what we all kept up. All of it. Oh, okay, yeah. Some of it's pretty silly, but maybe you guys will dig it as much as we do. If you like silly stuff, head on over to our our Teespring store. We are also still a proud affiliate of Starframe Disc Golf. Head on over to StarframeDiscs.com and use code ONO to get 5% off your order. That's StarframeDiscs.com. They have some sweet discs on there. And check out their TikTok. They make a lot of good videos. A lot of good little, or Instagram or whatever. Today, we're talking about the results of the DDO, the results of our hot round scores. We have an awesome interview for you guys. We have a forehand specialist, Tony Ryapel, and he's going to put on a little school for us today. And then we have an awesome top five where Tony actually does the top five with us, and he's going to go through five forehand discs for us, kind of give you a little shopping list. It's an expensive shopping list, but... It is an expensive shopping list, but, I mean, go get them. Shopping list, still the same. Get it signed by Paul Macbeth. Yeah. Oh, sneak... Ooh, ooh, spoiler! (laughs) I wonder what it is. Eric, what happened at the Dynamic Discs Open? A lot of inclement weather, a lot of wind, a lot of rain, a lot of really, really good shooting, a lot of long drives, long putts, some sad stuff, some sad stuff happened. Some sad stuff. Some good stuff. 
some happy stuff. My my highlight was watching Ricky throw it in from the drop zone. That's like my number one shot of the of all the of the DDO that I watched, and I watched pretty much all of it. If you haven't seen it, put it on your to do list. Yeah, you can watch the final round the in its entirety on Disc Golf Network's YouTube page. Uh, Jomez has it all up. GK Pro gatekeeper media all has mpo cards central coast disc golf handled fpo for this it was like one of the most widely covered disc golf tournaments like ever i think yeah yeah last year it was on tv kind of upset that they didn't bring it back this year but it must just not have performed as they thought it might yeah well, i think part of it was just most of the people who like so you could when it came out last year you could watch it live on Disc Golf Network, and then you couldn't watch it till after it came out on CPS. So anybody who was, like, dying to see it watched it live, you know? So it wasn't live. They're not going to, like, yeah, schedule off their time gotcha. so they could watch it, you know, after the fact. That makes sense. Uh, Eagle and Ricky tied at 36 under, and Mick Beast ran away with it at 42 under. Separated quite a bit on that last day. Yep, he really, really pushed. I think he had a, like, 9-under, and the closest was Ricky on the card with a 4-under that day. So after a certain point, there was just no catching him. Yeah, just like, you know, McBeast things. Yeah, that's his first major tournament. It's, like, the latest in the year that he has won a major tournament in quite a few years. That's the only real controversy over it. But other than that, you know, it's just a dominating performance. It was pretty interesting. Me and Kyle were talking about how Eagle and Ricky kind of struggled, but we didn't talk about how Calvin struggled, even though he performed the worst on the card. Yeah, Calvin definitely had a had a rough rough last day. You just don't notice it as much with him. It's like you always notice it with the other guys, but Calvin is just he's sneaky when he's moving up the board, and he's sneaky when he's moving down it too. I guess. Then rounding out the FPO top three. Heather Young made a big jump on the final day and jumped up to 5-under. Cat stayed at 2nd at 9-under, and Haley King took it down at 15-under. Cat and King were kind of jumping back and forth with each other, I think, after round 2. Like, round 2, round 3, and round 4, they were all all right, kind of neck and neck. And then uh, Haley King was just like, nah, took off for the win. Almost in the same kind of way that Macbeth did. Yeah, 6 points, too. In between the two, between second and first in MPO and FPO. Pretty sweet. Kyle is leading the hot round scores 22 to 16. He won DDO 10 points to four. So get my butt kicked. Got a lot of got a lot of work to make up. Thanks, Haley King. Who who else did I who else did I bet on? Thanks, Calvin. Calvin and Macbeth, I think all got you points. Yes. Thanks, guys. The dream team. Yeah. If you want to hear the rules on how we are tallying those uh, points head on back to episode 10. Oh boy, do we have a treat for you guys. We have a forehand specialist coming on and he's going to teach us as well as you guys some tips and tricks about trying to learn a forehand. His name's Tony Ryapel. Tony, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself? My name is Tony Ryapel. Thanks for having me on first, guys. I really appreciate you guys asking me to come on here. Oh, we appreciate it. Yeah, appreciate having you on. Shout out to my sponsor, Fisher Disc Golf, before I get started so I don't forget. Um, I was picked up by them this year. It's been a really incredible experience. So about me, like non-disc golf, I work in the marketing advertising world. I really love it. I've been married for a few years. My wife is super understanding about my 
obsession with disc golf, which is incredible. I have a young two and a half year old son who's kind of just now starting to uh, throw discs into the basket back here and kind of understand the concept. So hopefully, you know, you'll see him on some coverage here in about 15 years. Oh, yeah. Got to get him started young, right? He's, I'll tell you, I had him down in Florida last week, whipping him backhands out into the ocean with like a hundred gram Sonic and he was loving it. Oh, that sounds awesome. awesome. <laughs> it was until I had to keep going back into the ocean to get it. It was <laughs> <Right>. pretty cool. <laughs> but no, I live in Saginaw. I've lived here for about 20 years. I love to play the local courses here. I think we got some great courses. I think we got a great community of people. And um, again, I'm just really excited to be here. Kyle knows all about Wicks. That used to be his uh, favorite course until he moved out to Colorado. True story. That was my uh, that was uh, my home course is what I called it. So yeah, I think that's the best front to back eighteen. You know, in Mid Michigan, I really do. I, I would agree with you to have a course like that to be like for me. It was like ten minutes away, and that was essentially the course that I learned how to play on. So <laughs> yeah, that might be some of my sentimental love for that. I just feel like yeah. you have to throw every throw there. Oh, absolutely. You know, the only thing it, doesn't have really is water but i'm okay with that too kyle doesn't like water yeah that was my favorite part about that course <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm addicted to my disc that i carry so it's nice being able to take my turn to i can actually practice with this i'm gonna throw in a tournament true story well, that's cool that kind of works perfectly into our second question is how long have you been playing disc golf and like how did you get started so i've been playing for you know, a few months under three years. I got started in like August-ish of 2018. It's funny because I've actually had people bugging me to play this game for 10, 15 years. And they actually put a course in my hometown two months after I graduated and moved away. So I feel like it's kind of always been there and calling for me, but I just haven't answered the call until a couple of years ago. You know, I was playing, I played basketball in college, played a lot of, got into powerlifting and stuff after that. So I've always stayed kind of competitive. I played men's league softball for a long time, which, you know, it is a sport, I guess. <laughs> but it's funny because I, I worked for this company. It's kind of sad how it happened, but I'm glad because everything worked out. I worked for this great company. Uh, I had a really great job and overnight, something happened and the company shut down and boom, I'm unemployed. So I'm kind of freaking out. I've got a lot of stress in my life. We're getting ready to have my son and trying to find a job. And I needed something to kind of eat some time up. And I had a buddy hit me up that just was a casual player. Uh, he hadn't been playing that long either. And he said, Hey, why don't you come check this out? And I'm like, nah, man, I play real sports. I'm not playing that. And he goes, Oh really? Uh, which ones? <laughs> and I'm like, gotcha. okay. yeah, right. Got me. <laughs> All right, I'll go. So I went out there. And I played with this dude and he's a good dude. I don't see him as much as I'd like to anymore, but he gave me like a DX leopard, of course, first disc every, everybody throws, I feel like. And I mean, I, I was like, how hard can this be to throw a Frisbee? And I threw it like 60 feet straight in the air and straight left. I remember the throw at hole on a Wicks and you're familiar with that course. It went like over by the basketball courts. Nice pass to play around. It was embarrassing. And we played the whole round and this dude, I tried as hard as I could. And this dude ended up beating me by two strokes. And honestly, I'm kind of competitive and it kind of struck like that competitive nerve in me. And I guess I hadn't felt that sometimes. So I felt compelled to be good enough to beat this guy. So we went out and finally a couple of weeks later, we played again and I beat him. And then I just kind of found out a couple of my other buddies played and we started playing and Dustin, Eric, you met Dustin. Yeah. The good guy. Yeah. And he had, wanted to, he had played some time ago but never really got serious about it so we kind of got serious at the same time and we started pushing each other and then I met some really local um <laughs> local players and I remember the first time I played with them I was just like awestruck with how good they were I was like oh my god 
you know, you know, some of these guys are, you know, still am three players now, but they look like Paul Macbeth to me at that time. And I said, yeah. you know, I want to be, I want to do that. So uh, I'm kind of an obsessive guy. When I find something, I immerse myself in it and uh, here I am. Sweet. Yeah, we wouldn't understand that at all. <laughs> <laughs> Go from owning three discs to 50 real fast. Yeah. yeah, you don't even want to know what I have in this basement right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember uh, when we played our, our match round together, you talked about all the, the new Heimberg destroyers you just got in. My wife like literally asked me, and this is kind of morbid, she's like, so what do I do with all this if something happens to you? Just throw it out, and I'm like, yeah. You know, if you don't want to pay for our son's first two years at U of M. <laughs> so. Got a nice collection then. Yeah, yeah, solid. So just tell us about you learning forehand, what worked for you, what didn't work for you. Oh, yes. So initially, I could, truth be told, I couldn't throw forehand over 150 feet for a year. I couldn't. I just didn't get it. Like, I was trying to baseball throw it. Like, I, <laughs> I didn't know how to grip it. And all those things are super important. And it was super frustrating to me because it kind of took to my buddy Dustin so naturally, you know, he just had this nice little smooth flick and here I am, you know, trying to backhand around things. And it was just, it was a mess. It was a mess. And I finally said, you know, I got to learn this. So I stuck with it. And then I remember one day I was out at Wix and I got my hands on my first Firebird and I kind of threw it and turned my wrist over and it corrected itself. And it went kind of a long ways. And I went, okay. That's great. So initially I was throwing farther once that happened, but not correctly. So I was kind of relying, and that's a thing that a lot of people do. And I'm still guilty of that sometimes, depending on what I'm trying to do. Um, but I kind of relied on the disc to correct my, my form and, and my, the way I was doing things, but I kept practicing and I kept practicing. I kept asking all the good players around this area, like, what do you do? How do you grip this? What are you doing differently? You know, and uh, one of the local guys, Paul, even last summer gave me a couple tips for just some of the smoother shots that have really helped me kind of become more dynamic with that forehand. So it was something that wasn't, it wasn't given. I'll tell you that. I mean, I worked really hard to kind of get to where I'm at. And sometimes I'm almost a little too over-reliant on it when I should be, you know, maybe doing a turnover backhand or something different, but I just, I try and make some weird lines work for me. Yeah. Whatever works for you is the is the name of the game. Yeah, I throw some weird Annie forehands around some weird objects and try and discover some new lanes and lines. Sometimes it works out really well. Other times it's crash and burn. But, you know, that's kind of how we got to do. You know, we got to experiment and try new things and, you know, see what we're capable of. Trial by fire. If you get uh, if you get like first of the box and someone watches you hit a line, they might try to follow you and mess it up and then you're sitting pretty. <laughs> That that I've seen happen. They're like, I think I'm going to try that too. And I'm like, you know, 80% of what I just did was luck. <laughs> Especially when you get up there and look at the tree layout. You're like, how the hell did I get through this? That's ridiculous. <laughs> oh, yeah. So as far as tips, the first thing that people like focus on, excuse me, my allergies are killing me, is um, grip. So like there's a couple different grips. There's like your traditional stack where with your middle finger on the disc and then your other finger like this. It's not, some people will do it like this and turn their fingers in. Uh, you're not going to get a lot of snap with that. And you're also going to be more inclined to roll your wrist, where if you turn your finger in and stack that one on and kind of lay it almost on top of these other two fingers, you're going to have a nice flatter release. You're going to be less inclined to roll that wrist. That's probably the most common grip. I don't use it as much as I should. And I'll get into what my grip is in later. 
but I'm trying to work that in a little bit more because of the consistency with that grip. The second one that people like to do is like the, uh, the stack power, which is kind of like where you roll, roll them up a little bit and get them in even tighter. This is for like big drives. It helps you hold the disc a lot firmer. So you're going to get a lot less wobbliness when it comes out because one of the most important things you want to remember when you're grabbing this is you want this disc as deep in that webbing of your hand as possible. That's going to create like a lot less uh, like wobble and it's going to give you a lot firmer grasp on this disc. So you're getting that proper spin on your release. The next one that not too many people use, but some people do, especially for touch shots is the fan. So they got the pointer finger out towards your closer to the middle of the disc. And then they also have their middle finger where it normally is. Thumb normally stays about the same. You're just going to be just inside that rim. You want a nice tight grip on that. That doesn't really change for any of these grips. Now, personally, I use a one finger. I get criticized all the time on this. I just feel like I get the most snap off of this grip. I'm probably wrong. I'm still trying to work on the stack. It feels a little uncomfortable. I mean, obviously, I'm going to have to kind of push through that if I ever do make that transition. Because the one issue with this is you have a little less control because the disc can wobble a little bit more. And also, you don't have the double, you know, the double pressure on this. And sometimes if you don't have the right, like, tackiness, like, sometimes I'll blow on my fingers to get a little wicked moisture, you'll get a little bit of an early release, which I'm sure you've seen me do, Eric. Occasionally when you hear me go, shit, you know, there it goes. It's... It's over here, and I'm trying to be over here. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen anybody throw with a fan grip uh, for forehands. It's it's not common. It's normally for like a little touch up shot. Okay, so you yeah, want you're just trying sense. to get a little. It I don't know. It's it, it's it's something some a few of the pros do. I'm not a fan of it. When you show it, it looks funny. So it's just like I don't know. It's crazy to me to to to. I'd, li- I'd like to see someone do it. I guess it feels funny. Yeah. A couple other things like that people don't do is like you want to remember that when you're releasing this you want to get your wrist cocked back as much as possible you want to think of this as almost like your final like lever that you're trying to snap and you're coming through some people try and keep that real stiff wrist and just pull through this is going to give you that extra spin and snap so you want to make sure your wrist is back as much as possible when you're loading the shot so you're getting that snap because i mean as as much as uh backhand is a full body thing your forehand is too but a lot of this is just going to be torque generated almost from like your hips and your shoulder so you want to utilize every little aspect of that that you can so cocking your wrist is a big thing and when you're coming through you want to lead with your elbow and then follow through with the wrist like other people are trying to get this through you want to make sure that this elbow staying in and you're leading with that and then snapping through it that's an important thing that a lot of people don't do make sure you're leading not with your shoulder but with your elbow Leading with your shoulder can kind of lead to injuries, leads to a lot of inconsistency with lines. So even if it feels like you're not getting a lot of power when you're starting out by leading with your elbow, push through it because you're going to tighten your form up. You're going to start one of these times, you're going to feel that proper snap and that proper release. And you're going to go, okay, I get it. And you're going to hit your lines a lot more often than not. When you're following through too, another thing that people tend to do, especially like people that are starting off with overstable discs like I did, is they tend to follow through across like they're coming through across their body and they follow through a little to the left you want to make sure that it's a straight follow through so you're coming right through on your line like you almost want to keep this disc almost on the same plane the whole way through and release that thing that's my biggest problem right there yeah i mean it's it's common it's it's super common i did it for the longest time i mean i i even still now like with my driver and i'll get to it when i get to uh, talking about those 
sometimes I'll, I will have an awkward like distance one where my elbow's almost out a little bit and I'm coming through like that too, because this driver is so overstable. I'll use it for a big bendy shot and I will flex it out and push it out there and it's stable enough to hook up and have a big old S to it. So it's, it has its uses, but definitely for consistency, it's not something you want to do. And then the last thing you really want to focus on is that weight shift. And I can't really do it on this, but you want to make sure that when you're coming through that weight shift, that's all the way back is finishing on the front foot and you're coming over top of that front foot and pushing that, pushing that through that weight shift is going to, is going to help you get that, that proper forward momentum. And when all that stuff, you know, when you're leading with your elbow and your wrist snap and your, and your weight shift comes through at the same time, you're going to see that extra power. I mean, beginners shouldn't be coming back like this. Beginners should be coming back here and then just pushing through, you know, you shouldn't have this big wind up when you're starting off. If you're doing that, you're leaving like this much more room to mess up. So don't go above your shoulder is really what you're showing initially or your reach back initially initially yeah master that other part i mean get to the point where you're throwing you know 250 maybe 275 280 consistently and then once you're getting there and it seems you know effortless start adding a little bit more to your reach back you know you don't want to start there i mean that would be my suggestion to beginners don't don't start with this huge eagle wind up you know start start where you should and work your way up to wherever your comfort zone is that's probably where I messed up because I watched Eagle's forehand video. And I'm Same. like, I can, I can bend my arm that way. I know it. I can do that. <laughs> Dude is made of plastic. It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy watching those slow motion vids of how far, and you could see how far his elbow was out in front of his throw. Yeah. It's just the, the, it's unnatural. <laughs> I mean, honestly, with a lot of even some of these locals, like, you know, Cody, like you could, I guarantee his looks almost identical to that. Yeah, some of the pictures I've seen of Andrew Garza, his arm is like tweaked. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it, yeah, he's Garza's got a really nice forehand. I'm not, I'll rip on him in person, but I mean, truth be told on this podcast, Garza has a really nice forehand. I'd like to see him get more dynamic with his backhand because I think it would really help him progress. But he does mm-hmm. have a very smooth, he's a perfect example of not having a ton of power, but choosing the right disc with his form to be able to throw all the shots. I won't tell him you said anything nice about it. No. Yeah, please don't. Please don't. A couple other things that I wrote down as tips is speed is really important. Like, and I don't mean arm speed. I mean, disc speed. I mean, pretty much disc in that eight, nine, 10, nine, I think would be the best. And I'm not just saying that because I'm a Sexton enthusiast, but nine is a really good speed. I mean, you can do drivers and stuff like that, but forehand is a lot more for touch shots because you're not taking your eyes off of things, tunnel shots. It's, you can distance drive with it if you have to, but it's not really designed for that. It's designed for more of like consistent, accurate, precise shooting. So I always tell people like, you know, you don't need that, that 14 speed firestorm, you know, come on down here and grab something, grab a Thunderbird, grab a, grab a Firebird, grab something, you know, in that range and, and kind of master that. As far as like disc shape, flatter is better. You don't want a really big domey disc. They're harder to grip. It's going to cause a lot more inconsistencies with grip and angles, you know, when you're trying to move your wrists and how you're trying to hold the disc. So a flatter disc is gonna be more prime for a forehand shot. Overstable discs obviously are the easiest ones to throw. However, I don't I I lean on them a lot myself, but they also slow your progression. Like I'm I'm currently, like I said, you know, before, when we were talking a little bit before we started, I'm really, really working on learning how to flip discs up and work with some understable things because if you can flip a disc up like effectively, you're an absolute assassin. I mean, there's nothing you can't do. I mean, if you could flip like a beat up Wraith 
or something like that. I mean, you can hit 350, 375 feet with, with a flick of the wrist. It's, it's not hard. It's, it's really form related and, and being able to have the touch to do something like that. A lot of people like it because of the vision. I mean, people, I like it because of the vision, because I don't like taking my eyes off my target. And that's a really nice benefit to doing the forehand, which is another reason I'm, I'm really big on it. But something that a lot of other people don't think about, and this is just a, just a standard tip. And I saw this on a video and it couldn't have been more right. It's perfect for like wooded courses and like tunnel shots. Because if you think about the way that you're throwing it, say you're throwing down a tunnel of trees, right? The way that the disc is designed to spin and kick off some of these things. So like, say you're backhanding down a tunnel and you kick off something on the side, the way that it's spinning with the backhand, it's designed to shoot kind of out and away from your target. Where if you hit something on the inside with a forehand, it's designed to actually kick off and towards your target. Ah. So it's actually beneficial. Yeah, you're a lot. Yeah, you're a lot, lot, lot more likely to come out on top of a bad tree bounce or something like that inside of a wooded course with a forehand versus a backhand. Never even thought of that. I didn't either. That's, that's other level thinking, man. Big brain. <laughs> yeah. So I guess that's all my tips that I have, like as far as like things to kind of, you know, help people get started and just some little tips that might help people kind of tighten up what they do. Absolutely. I'm going to definitely try some of them out. Me too. I, I only had awesome. one question from that, if if you're up for it. Yeah, shoot. Did you start with the one finger on the rim, like that grip? Is that why you're so comfortable with it, do you think? Or did you start with the stacked or how did that how did that end up? It's a great question. So yes, I did. I started naturally because it felt natural, felt like a better grip. I felt like I had better control and snap with that. Um, after watching some videos and seeing like everybody else was doing the stack, I tried doing it and I just kept, ironically, it's designed to help you not turn things over, but I didn't know that. So I was doing it like this, oh. the way I said not to do it and was turning everything over. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to reincorporate this and it does feel okay. I just don't have the consistency with it yet. And I'm not ready to like bust it out at like a league or a tournament for sure, but I'm getting there. Very interesting. And so it's just what you started with. So that's that's what you're most comfortable with. That makes sense. Pretty much. I don't know if I'll do it forever, but. So you know that that's probably better to do it the other way, but at the moment. I would recommend forcing yourself to do a stack and get used to it. Okay. If, you, if you're not, if you don't have a preference, that would be my recommendation. Hey, good, good to hear that I've been doing it the correct way, at least. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Did you have any specific videos like on YouTube that you would recommend to a beginner forehander? Sure. And I've got a lot of my ideas and learnings from from um, the guys I'm going to recommend, actually. So you'll probably see a lot of these in those videos because these guys are really good at explaining these things. The first one, and I think this guy does the best videos for disc golf tips on the internet, is Danny Lindahl from Dynamic. He's just a little blonde-haired, squirrely-looking kid, but man, he breaks things down and makes things so simple and easy to understand uh, in a matter of minutes. Um, so I would recommend him for forehand, for backhand, for all his videos. Like his stuff, it's fantastic content, and it's super easy to understand and and make uh, a part of your routine. Obviously, Nate Sexton is the forehand, my forehand dude. He has a little bit different technique with his little double hop off his right foot. I've tried to do it. It's almost like trying to do the Happy Gilmore shot uh, with a real <laughs> golf club. It's impossible for me. But he, he really breaks it down well in his videos. And so does Eagle. Like I've watched some on Paul. Paul's like kind of one of those guys. I feel like super nice. He's the greatest player there is. But sometimes when you're great, you're not the best instructor oh, yeah. for doing things. True story. 
but Eagles, Eagles got a really good video on it too. And I think he has the best pure forehand on uh, the sport. Yeah, he can kind of do everything with his forehand. Yeah, he's fantastic. I mean, I love Nate. I love to watch him throw the Firebirds, and he's really good too. Eagle's just on another level as far as like his power and the, the things he can do with that forehand. Simon too, I guess. Si- but you see what it, ca- it kind of did to Simon with all his, his uh, crazy stunts and, you yeah. know, 500 plus, plus foot forehands and stuff. So you got to be careful. Yeah, I heard this year Eagle actually said something about how he's got to tone it down in his forehands because he can't play disc golf forever doing stuff like this. No, I mean, you can. I feel the same way. I, you know, I turned 40 this past year, and I've only been playing a couple of years, but, I mean, I've got some mileage on my body, and I'm trying to think about it because, you know, it feels funny getting into, like, the MP40 and AMP40 world because now I'm kind of the rookie, and I get out there and, like, you know, I go and I'll throw a 400-foot forehand, and those guys are like, let me see your birth certificate, you know, joking around. <laughs> And it feels cool, but I'm not going to be like, I mean, eventually it's not going to be there. I'm going to reach for it. It's not going to be there, which is why I'm trying to become like more dynamic with my back end. Uh, the video that helped me the most too is uh, Scott Stokely's video on forehands. I don't know if you ever watched yeah. his. Yeah. His, uh, his tip yeah. where he just says, throw it like a baseball, just kind of changed, changed everything for me. It, it really is. Especially if you're reaching back for some power. I mean, it's almost the same mechanics, mm-hmm. except your release point follow through is a little different but the reach backs almost the same. Well, he always, the, for the, he said the difference is when you throw, when you know you're throwing a disc, you kind of do that wing up right at the end. And then you just sky the disc into the air and it comes back down. So you got to like follow through, like it's a baseball, I guess is what it is. What is yeah. what I took from it. And it, it, uh, it helped me at least a decent. For amount. sure. Yeah. You have to, you know, that nice straight follow through. And sometimes you'll see an arm finish here, but that's because, you know, when it hits its length, it's got nowhere to go, so it yeah. just kind of drifts. It's almost like the back end where you see these guys finish over here, and you see people trying to do that, and they round so hard because they're trying to mimic these pros, but they don't know that the pros' release point is here, and their body's got so much momentum that it just kind of swings away from it because they're trying not to explode off that keypad. That's another just tip I just heard not too long ago is uh, follow through as a result of something. You shouldn't be forcing yourself into it. Yeah, yeah. it's a natural It's a natural reaction. It's almost like uh, – a guy told me, he's like, you're exploding almost like a car. You're the car and the disc is like a, a crash test dummy, you know, and then you hit this barricade and this disc just explodes out like the tr- crash test dummy. And then the re- result is like the impact of like the stoppage. Okay. Yeah. That's pretty, that's a good way to think of it. Yeah, that's great. Our bodies need some airbags. So while we're talking about crashes, what is your biggest own <laughs> moment in disc golf? Oh, we've been waiting for this. So, so everybody has like you know the tournament anxiety the the oh my god I hope I don't do this moment and all this kind of stuff you know and you, you kind of get nervous about having like taking that six or just th- that nightmare hole right so last year in October I decided to jump up to the pro realm to see you know where I stacked against competition so my first pro tournament was at the pro state championships not some local one I jumped right into the the big dance and I prepped for this thing like you wouldn't believe. I mean, and I shot some good rounds in my practice rounds. It's a local course. I was thinking, you know, who knows? I might make some noise. And um, I shot like a neg one one day, um, a plus one and a plus three, which I was really happy with. So I go out there day one and they're announcing everybody and guys are teeing off. And I'm watching the group that teed off in front of me and it's whole four at Freeland. I'm sorry, the viewers, you know, can't see this, but picture like a 170, 180 foot tunnel hole that opens up at the end and it's an island real quick if if you have you disc on your phone look up freeland disc golf course in michigan look up hole four hole four 
Yeah, it's and it's an island, so uh, you have to make it inside the island. So I'm wa- I'm watching I'm watching the group in front of me, and this guy barely makes the island. Uh, it might have been a little bit bigger than the circle. It might have been forty or fifty feet. I don't know what they did as far as the island, but this guy hits a turbo putt from his knee from behind a bush flush. And every ounce of confidence in my body just leaked out of me. I went, oh my God, I am so over my head. What the hell am I doing here? You know, I, I got to get the hell out of here. And uh, so I tee off, obviously I throw OB. And from there on, the rest of the day was just an absolute meltdown. Like I, everything I thought of, of doing wrong at the tee box, I did wrong. I remember I got a little momentum going for me for a minute. Uh, and I threw over this water hole and hit right next to the basket, which is about 50 feet in from the water. And it hit a, like a root or a stump and stood up, rolled around the basket on its rim and rolled all the way back down into the water. <laughs> and I went, is that even possible? Like, it was just the biggest, like, if I could have been anywhere else in the world, I would have done it. Like, you could be like, you could be at the bottom of a dumpster and just lay there for three hours. I would have been like, yeah, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> Send me there. Like, it was so uncomfortable. And I mean, I handled it like a pro as far as like, I didn't complain. I didn't do anything. And I got done and I was just so embarrassed to even like see anybody, like any of my friends, like, like, how'd you do? And I'm like, you know, you assholes know how I did. You guys have been paying attention. It's live scoring guys. And I went home and my wife asked me how I did. I'm like, yeah, I shit the bed. I'm like, I, I shit the bed. I said, everything that I've been afraid of, I, I live today. And the good part of that is, is after that happened, I wasn't afraid of that. And I haven't been since, you know, I told myself, you know what, I'm nine strokes behind the guy that's in second to last place. I can't do any worse than this. I just shot an 826 rated round, which was by far the worst round I've ever thrown, you know, go out there and, and put it all out on the line, you know, do play, play your game. And I went out the next day and I shot a 940 and I went out the next day and shot a 970 and almost made the final nine to come back and play in the, the final nine for state. So an oh no turned into like the best thing that ever happened to me. But I'm telling you what, guys, that day was the day I wanted to just sink to the bottom of that pond with my disc. It was so bad. It broke you a little bit, huh? <laughs> it really did. And, and in, in a way, I got to build myself back up yeah. uh, a little bit stronger. But yes, it. I mean... I don't know if anybody else that's going to hear this has ever felt like that, but I'm telling you, that was the lowest point of my athletic career. Got to feel the lowest to feel the highs. Yeah. Sometimes you got to hit rock bottom. It makes it, yeah. makes it less scary too. Cause then, you know, like that's literally the worst thing that can happen. You already went through it. You made it. A hundred percent. The psychology behind it checks out, man. Like after that, I'm like, I honestly, I don't give a shit. Seriously. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to go out there and play as hard as I can. And if I play like that again, so be it. I'm not afraid. And once you're not afraid of it and you've conquered that a little bit, I feel like it, it gives you power. Absolutely. Well, I'm glad you glad you made the comeback anyway. Yeah. 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 I beat the turbo puck guy. Yeah. <laughs> he was a really nice guy, by the way. I should mention that in case he ever hears this. Yeah. He's a super nice dude. Yeah. Uh, he was nice. Yeah. Tagging turbo puck. <laughs> Eric. Yeah. Eric tried to do those for a little while. Yeah, it doesn't work. <laughs> I mean, that that putt shattered my whole day, man. Just that one putt. It was all downhill after that putt. So that's what I have to do to scare my competition is just bang like one turbo putt. And then everyone's like, oh, God, this guy's good. Flex on him with a turbo putt on the first hole, man. Yep. And that's it. Your whole card will be pissing their pants the rest of the day. That's funny. Now we're getting into the real tips. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, that's pro tip. That's a pro tip right there. <laughs> Shit. 
<laughs> Feels good to talk about that because that was just a oh my god. Yeah, we we all I all have them. I can't wait to go back this year though. Hopefully, hopefully you won't have you'll have three good rounds or is it four? Is it four? Do they do four rounds? It's it's three. Okay. Yeah, it's three days. Yep. Any okay. uh oh. yeah, sorry, Eric, you got something? No, I was just I was telling you it's your turn in case you didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I have ADHD, if you haven't noticed. <laughs> all, all good, man. And uh, I'm all jacked on Mountain Dew right now. We're good. <laughs> Ricky Bobby. All right. <laughs> <laughs> got any big disc golf plans this year? I'm going all out this year, fellas. I got my, my God, God bless her, I got my wife on board. I showed her my tournament schedule, and I didn't spend any nights in the basement. So, yes, I do. I have 17 tournaments this year. Ooh, wow. Yeah, I've got... Wolfpack coming up this weekend. I've got the AJ on the eighth. I've got a couple local ones in between there, a few sanctioned. I'm doing um, Deglo uh, this year for the first time, which I'm really excited about. I'll be there. Yeah, yeah, sweet. I show me around, dude, because I got to get down there and play. Because I've never been there yet either. <laughs> I'm not playing that one blind. We'll have to set something up, and maybe we can head down there for a couple practice rounds. I'd like that a lot. What else do I got? I've got last year I was supposed to do ledge zone and because of the whole COVID situation, I ended up canceling this year. I am going, I will be at ledge zone this year and then Michigan state championships, which I will be playing in MP 40 again. So lots, lots of big stuff. Whole lot of stuff. Make your sponsors happy. Yeah, for sure. For sure. They, and they've been, they do a lot of good stuff. I'm very proud to rep their brand. Uh, Levi, Adam are great dudes. So I'm very excited uh, to be repping those guys. So we're not breaking any rules by you coming on like a, you know, a warring podcast. Not that we're warring with Nate Sexton. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Yeah, we're totally on the same level. Yeah. Oh, God. I would make my day if Nate heard this podcast. And and I think they'd be happy uh, to see me, you know, some of their, their yeah. sponsored players out doing this and kind of spreading some of the love. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I always love, love watching their stacks, even if uh, I can't contribute to them it's just a it's an entertaining like it's just an entertaining way to sell this like the stacks or whatever they do it's super creative it's super great for like new disc golfers too that really are just trying to learn blends and and molds and stuff that they're really like i mean i've got four boxes over here of like all the discs i learned how to play with and i I hate every one of them now but (laughs) you know i feel like i had to throw like 200 different discs to to find the, the seven or eight that i really like yeah absolutely that's that's how it goes Oh, I, I thought I was doing a lot of tournaments because I plan on doing one each month. And so I was like, man, 12's a lot, but 17. And you're doing like a bunch of big ones. So Yeah, my wife is kind of getting baby hungry for baby number two. So I feel like, you know, I might be on the sidelines a lot more than gotcha. not maybe the next couple of years. You know, my son right now is just kind of old enough where, you know, it doesn't take two of us to wrangle him in. So I'm able to get out a little bit more, but if we enter that arena again for a few years, I probably won't get to play as much. So she's been super understanding about me kind of going out and living the dream this summer and seeing, you know, what I can do with it. Yeah. Then maybe I'll be able to catch you once you, once you get too busy with the family. Yeah. <laughs> you, I'll probably come back out there at like three fifty, ready to take a wheelchair out there to get around. I'll be, <laughs> I'll be out of shape. No, nah, I'm just kidding. Running around chasing two kids. I'll probably be about 150 pounds. Yep. Hell yeah, man. That that sounds like an awesome tour schedule for you. Yeah, it's it's exciting. You know, and, and I'm trying to get my rating up. I've kind of got some goals set for this year that I would like to accomplish. 
and see just if I can kind of prove myself. I mean, more importantly, just to myself to see if I can kind of attain some of those things. Anything you'd like to publicly state on a podcast? Sure. Well, they've kind of been altered. I wanted to get my first sanctioned win this year and I got it in January. So already accomplished. <laughs> yeah, I do have, I did, I did get my first pro win last year, but it was in a double. So I kind of wouldn't mind. I don't necessarily need to win one, but I'd like to place in the top two or three. I missed a third place at, uh, what's it called? March Mush by one. And I blew the first putt of the tournament from 12 feet out. <laughs> that would have tied me with the dude. Yeah. I had a little, sometimes, you know, we all get jitters and I don't know if it was jitters, but it was a terrible, 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 terrible putt. But that, and I wanted my rating initially to get up to 920 this year. I was, I think I was like 890 and I knew I was at a higher level than 890 but I needed to get that on my actual PDGA. So, so far I'm up about 20 points this year. I wanted to get to 920. I think that that's going to be obtainable because I've shot 940 or above, like in my last four or five tournaments. So now I think my new goal is like 935, like just to get like an AM1 rating this year, I think would be really cool. Definitely think you can achieve it. Yeah, man. Yeah. I could not pass Sunday this past Sunday. Thank God that wasn't sanctioned, but that was brutal. <laughs> I, I I'm, I'm putting in a lot of work. I think the smartest thing I ever did was get out of AM3 and maybe even AM2. I just feel like the pace of play, the style of play was kind of forcing me to almost play similar. They gamble a lot more. They do a lot more things. And I feel like I just, you kind of become some of that sometimes without even realizing it. And I think once I jumped up to a little bit more seasoned competition it helped bring out my competitive edge a little bit more because i think you kind of drop your guard in am3 and stuff too like everybody's chumming it up and you're having a good time and, and that's fine and great i mean if that's what you're there for awesome i mean whatever brings you to the sport i think is a great thing but for me i mean i came there to compete so i think moving up has brought up my competitive edge and it's put me around some players that i've learned a lot of things from too it's helped me advance that makes a lot of sense yeah i always hear people say that you play Close to as good as your card card is playing. So if you stay in AM3, you know, I mean, within reason, but sure. I don't know. But I don't know how true it is, but because I'm usually last on my cards. I would recommend to a new player that wants to do more with the sport, play a couple tournaments, maybe in AM3 to get a taste for tournament style play and stuff like that and move up. Who cares if you get your butts kicked? If you're getting your butts kicked, you're learning something. Yep. Yeah, I jump straight into AM2 and I don't mind getting my butt kicked, but. I that's a good, that's a good move. It's going to help you progress faster and it's going to put your own, you like, like I said, better talent. You're going to learn faster. And as long as you're willing to learn and take your lumps, man, before you know it, you'll be an M1. So where can our listeners follow your journey and, you know, watch you kill it at Ledgestone and d this year? They can uh, watch me try. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> Confidence is key. Confidence is key. Uh, the uh, the effort will be there. I promise the effort will be there. Um, they can catch me at Tony Rifle Disc Golf on Instagram. That's pretty much the only one I really use. I try to keep my Facebook like just to memes and football buying discs. <laughs> yeah, and oh god, oh god, you have no idea. Yeah, you, yeah. I think people will recognize me on on a lot of those pages. But yeah, so you can check me out on there. Uh, I'm not going to lie, last couple of weeks I've slacked on content. I got back from vacation and I've had to kind of have a heavy workload, but I've got four or five things planned for that in the next couple of weeks. We just did a giveaway for 500. So I plan on doing some more as the page continues to grow, but I try and put cool stuff up there. So check me out. Give me a follow, please. And uh, I'm good at following everybody back. You gave out a sexy bird, right? I did. I gave out, I gave out, a, I gave out a hundred dollar disc for 500. So follow me because I give away the good stuff. 
Apparently. <laughs> Shit, I missed out on that. <laughs> no DX Leopards on my page, like I started with. I'll get you started out proper. Three, two, one. Top, Top five. five. Oh, yeah. I was way off. Way <laughs> off. So we're going to keep our guest Tony on, and we are going to count down his top five and our top five forehand discs. Figured it'd go along with the episode, give you guys some ideas on what discs uh, will be good for you. So, Tony, why don't you tell us your fifth favorite forehand disc? Cool. I got them stacked up in order. My fifth one, and this is one I'm kind of getting back into using, is a Discraft Stalker. I like this disc for tunnel shots and it's also a little flippy. So this is really great for hitting something that is going to put on a tunnel. You're going to have to grab one. Heck yeah. You need something a little bit. It's just a little bit flippy, right? It's not like crazy flippy. No, it's not. And actually that titanium run is actually pretty stable as far as stalkers go. I've heard they've been pretty sweet, but just, uh, just never picked one up. I have enough discs on my radar. They say it's a longer buzz. Gotcha. That's like, it's, it's, uh, it's, I don't know. That's what they say. It's a longer buzz. It's a longer buzz. Sounds accurate. (laughs) Our fifth one, and this is mostly for me, is a FD2. I just uh, recently started started messing with it and seems to kind of do all the work for me. Um, I can do it like like a forehand spike hyzer or like a nice kind of gliding one. It's nice and flat, just like Tony said is important. And I think it does. It's, it's, I mean, to me, when you feel the disc in your hand, the flat disc, you can just tell it, it's, it fits better than a, than a Domi. But yeah. Sweet. What's your number four? This one was hard to kind of, once we get into the top four, it was hard to, well, number one is easy, but the other three, it was weird. <laughs> it's, a, it's a four time zone and not just any zone. And I know that these things are stupid expensive. So I'm very careful with it. I do have a couple backups. This one was was blessed by the man himself. It's a, ironically that's actually where I put my thumb. But this disc is board flat. It's not as stable as it used to be. And ironically, I don't really use this for flat shots. I use this for like an like an Anheuser like around things shot. So or up and over things like a spike Anheuser forehand. It's very accurate. It kind of will try and fight out, and it usually settles flat and lays down next to the target. So I kind of use it to get around things, almost like you would with a backhand, but with a forehand. Like you would with a backhand, but it's going to land flat. Correct. Yep. Yeah. Well, good thing with the zone, you always know where it's going. It's not like they're like these big ones where you're really, really tossing a tossing a long way. So it's like easy to throw the more expensive ones. I think when it comes to like a zone, that's a hundred feet in. It's just yeah. touch shots. Our number four came in. I actually chose this one. It's a turn. It's a little bit faster disc. I think the turn uh, comes in with the turn of negative two. So it's a little bit flippy, but the stability kind of comes with the speed for me of the disc. So I kind of, this is the one disc that I've been trying to like release it on a, on a pretty good uh, hyzer and it just flips up for me. That's a good disc for that. Yeah. It's, it's been, cause when I first started off doing forehand, I was just taking really overstable discs and just turning over my wrist and just letting the disc kind of fix it over. But in kind of learning how to actually do it, I've been trying to do it correctly. So, cool. Yeah, reps, man. Yeah, definitely. I I, I need to practice more driving. I think with my with my forehand than anything. Yeah, that's a good one. You'll be able to bomb with that once you get that thing down. It's been one of my favorite for backhands for like flippy, but still you know moderately stable. Yeah, it'll still finish for you. And he lives in Colorado, so I think everything's a little bit more stable with the. That's true. It has been a, a learning experience. 
Uh, yeah, I used to always say, like, the kicker there that uh, when Prater was there and he was hitting 60 yarders, I'm like, kicking on the moon. No <laughs> gravity there. Yeah, uh, it's a it's a real thing. It, it actually does make a slight difference. I wasn't expecting it, but, like, I came back and visited after being here for a few months, and it, it was a noticeable difference. Wow, that's crazy. I've, I've never been. I'll have to check and that I'm out. I'm not a professional, time. so, like, you know, I, I thought it would, like, not make a difference at all, but, no, it's it's, like, noticeable. Last thing. What's your number three? Uh, is this like picking your favorite of your children? Is that what this is? <laughs> I literally just switched two and three. Don't tell number three that. <laughs> All right. Uh, number three is the Kelvin Heimberg uh, Destroyer. This is the 19. This is the only one I throw. I don't like last year's because it was a pop top to the 20s. And I don't like the halos for this year, even though they brought back the beefiness where the 20s were kind of uh, more flippier. These things are board flat. They are extremely overstable for their finish but if you throw these things on a clean release i mean hitting 350 350 plus of these is very easy if you're going to go for more than that you're going to need a little bit more space to work with because of the right to left or left to right motion that you're going to have to do you're going to have to flex it out to the left on a little bit of an ante and let it hook up but for like dog leg rights that are a little bit too long for like a nine speed or something like that this thing is super dependable and it's going to hook up every single time it's almost impossible to turn over yeah, I watch you throw them, and and you make it look easy. <laughs> Thank you. It 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 hasn't always been the case. I assure you of that. <laughs> Lots of practice. But I do have a I, I do have an arsenal of them because they're going up in price. So I have been buying the bejesus out of them online when I see them. They're pretty discs. Not too much going on with them. Like I you know, like yeah. with the stamp and everything. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm a I'm a big fan. I don't really like dig the halo thing going on right now not a really big fan they're all pop top and they're all super 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 overstable with a pop top so i haven't been a real big fan of them i like those i've been wanting to pick up one of the gg rates i just like the stamplets on them i i collect them i have some i own all of them I mean, oh, i've got okay. all the kelvins and stuff like that but you just don't like throwing them gotcha i won't throw yeah i won't throw them our number three i picked it's a avrx3 you can tell that we're not the greatest at forehands because all of ours are mostly approach discs. Yeah, but that, that's a nice stable one. Yeah, it's a, I just got it not too long ago, and it's been lots of fun to to play with, and I think changed changed my game. Um, I don't lean on the having like a zone as much, but I can get like nice straight pulls out of it and just kind of watch it keep keep gliding and gliding. Yeah, that's I know a lot of people that bag those. That's a good disc. Well, let's hear what your new number two is then. It was the right call. Yeah? Yeah, it's the disc I have the most aces with. It's the Scott Withers Gator. Not just a Gator, the, the, this particular run. This is a 19. I also bag an 18. These things are almost puddle top flat. Ooh. They are extremely, the 19s aren't as stable as the 18s. The 18s, I can literally release like this on a tunnel. And 150 feet down the fairway, it'll be already turning over and ready to dump. Like you really have to muscle the shots up with it. This one isn't as much. This one I like the most because the the overstability is a little bit more subtle, but like I can find some really good lines with this. So like if there's like a basket that you're supposed to start out on the right side and then it goes a little bit left and then comes back a little bit more right. I mean, it's not really an approachable shot with a backhand or traditional forehand, but if I put this on a little bit of Annie and pump it down there, it'll bleed enough to the left to force itself over into that second opening and then hook up and finish to the right. So it allows me to get at some twos that a lot of other people don't get an opportunity to get at. You really found a way to make all the forehands work for you. Trying. <laughs> Our number two, we actually 
both have some zones. So this one is both of ours. But I I jumped on the zone train a little bit earlier than Eric did. I actually started with a bunch of harps, uh, which are really, really similar to the zone I've found. But my new favorite thing, I have a, Eric actually got me a crystal sparkle zone. And that thing just, it hits every single line I could I could want with it. I, it I, you can throw it on an Anheuser, you can throw it nice and flat, or you can throw it up on a big hyzer. It's just going to do whatever you want. Yeah, I think that that's, that's the most universal disc in disc golf. I don't think anybody's been able to copy the zone. I think that they, you can do literally every single shot with that. You can make that disc go just about anywhere. So I agree with that. I think it's been probably the most like instrumental piece of my bag. It's it's this ultimate scramble disc. You know, if you're there's there's not too many areas that you can put yourself into and not find a tiny hole and say, uh, "Where's my zone?" Right. You got anything to say on it, Eric? I don't know what I was going to say about it. Oh, it's good for forehand and backhand. It does. You can do it. Do so many different shots with with both both ways. But this is all about our forehand discs. So. That's true. It is like my backhand workhorse as well for like up shots. And headwind. It's a great headwind driver. True like story. If you've got like a 200, 250 foot hole, it's a good headwind driver. Good all around disc. Moving here, I didn't realize that it was so windy in Colorado pretty much all the time, but it is very windy pretty much all the time. That's that's a instrumental disc. All right. Well, I think I know what your favorite forehand disc is, but why don't you tell the listeners and tell us all about them because i'm sure anybody that knows me or follows me knows what my favorite disc is this is the first disc i really fell in love with i carry five in my cart and three of this exact run which is crazy but uh they all fly a little bit differently and it's the the nate sexton firebird this this is just so much this is the disc that made me fall in love with forehanding it's just it's got a beautiful flight it allows you to hit some lines that like i said like the gator it's very similar it's like a longer gator it allows you to get to some things that you normally couldn't get to. It's one of the best skip discs. So if you're trying to like, you know, get around something low, but you need a little bit of flare on the end, this thing's almost certainly going to pop up, skip up where you're at. As they beat in, they become a little bit less stable and they're easier to flex and have a little bit of almost turn to them, but they always have that sexton finish. The plastic with this gold plastic stays really tacky and easy to grip, which is really important to me too. The 19, in my opinion, is the most beefy run, so the most overstable. I bag three of them. I have a brand new one. I have this one, which is super beat, which is my baby. And then I have another one that's kind of half beat in. So I, I, I usually I reach for these. The runs are really different because I have a 17 that's super flippy that between you and me, I hate <laughs> to forehand because I just turn the turn the damn thing over all the time so i just put too much on it but it's a really good backhand disc but all the runs kind of differ i do collect them obviously it's almost like as good as dodgecoin right now because i mean you guys see what they're going for online i I have about 100 and probably 150 right now kind of varies from about 100 to 150 i do trade and sell them quite a bit but yeah i got a pretty sweet collection and uh i like them a lot that is a uh, one Facebook group I have kept myself out of. If this is the Sexton Collectors Group, because I don't know if my wallet can can handle seeing it. <laughs> you will see me all over that group. Ooh. I have one Firebird. I love it. So I haven't I haven't thrown it enough. I need to I need to practice more forehands with it. I haven't actually thrown it really forehand too much. I I think it's literally the perfect forehand disc. What are your thoughts on the twenty run? The last run. It was a little less stable than I like. It was the longest, like easiest to get some. And it just felt like it had more glide. And maybe Nate had it designed that way because maybe his arm's slowing down a little bit or something. He talked about how it was his favorite run. 
I think a lot of people liked it for that reason. Like getting out there and touching 300, 350 with it is not that difficult. Where with the, the 19 to hit 350, I mean, I've got to pump this thing because it just doesn't go that far. It just hooks up and, and just dies and skips before that. Right. I typically use this for about 240 to about 310 is its sweet spot. Now, if you spent the money on one of the crazy Las Vegas challenge discs, would you throw it? So I have some LVCs. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Would you throw it? <laughs> Hell no. Hell no. Now, those were Not some of the all. prettiest discs I think I've ever seen. Those, the, like the stamp and everything about it to me was just awesome. Yeah. I mean, he's got the best, I think, collector line. I think Discraft's doing a really good job as far as what they're pumping out, as far as like different uh, foils and stuff like that but they've got a lot of different lines like you know like your Macbeth line your page line you know your brody line uh where innova really they're starting to get there with this halo stuff but that sexton is just on a different level than everything else yeah. right now like i mean i just saw a disc getting an auction mind you not a not a raffle or a waffle an auction for a 2015 uh that's over two thousand dollars today that's a lot of money talk about an investment man that's crazy so i'm saying I'll kick it off. Our number one, probably my favorite disc in my bag or mold, I guess, is the Thunderbird. Good choice. Yeah, big, I'm a big fan of the Thunderbird. Number one, right? Yeah, big sexy. <laughs> yeah, I have uh, three different plastics. I started forehanding the Thunderbird with a DX that was like slightly beat in, so it was kind of just learning the form of a forehand is something I learned to do with the Thunderbird. So. I eventually lost that, picked up a G-Star instead. Then I picked up the Tour Series and I have a Champion. So I have like the G-Star is probably my most understable of them, the Tour Series. And then the Champions are just so overstable and beefy. So I was going to say, you moved right up the stability ladder there. I mean, did you lose that DX one to just turn into a roller and just, just roll right the hell away? Um, I don't, you know, it. unfortunately, I, I have a tendency to just leave discs. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So that actually just happened to me too. I, I picked up an Ezra Aderhold nuke, threw it five times, left her in the middle of a fairway. But uh, yep. yeah, so I'll, I I did that one with the DX. But that one was like my favorite disc for the longest time. The G-Star has kind of filled in the place. So Eric, do you have any Thunderbirds? I have a big germ bird on my wall. That's it. That is it. No, take it down and throw it. Only throwing yours. <laughs> That's a pretty line. That's that's a nice disc too, yeah. the germline. Yep, it's got some got some cool stains. Yeah, Big Germ was one of my one of the first pros because I you know started watching Joe as one of the first pros that I really like enjoyed his presence just overall. So I was like, oh, I got to get his his tour series. That was one of the first ones I got. For sure, yeah. That Joe does a good job with their people, even with bringing in Ulibarri. Like he ended up somehow fitting in pretty good with those two as well. Yeah, they're fun to watch. Yeah, the Big Berry commentary is probably like. It's up there for my my favorite commentary duo. Yeah, I was wondering how that was going to go when Nate was kind of on his layoff there last year, and it's been it's been funny to see the three of them interact too. So it's just uh, Jomas does a great job with that. Plus the practice rounds too, just so much fun. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, well, that was our top five and Tony's top five favorite forehand discs. If you head over to the Sexton Collectors page, he might sell you a sexy bird. Yeah, bring. Bring, bring your pocketbooks. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be there. <laughs> One more time, if you want to shout out your Instagram, just so the people can follow you this year. Absolutely. Um, it's at Tony Riefeld Disc Golf at Instagram. 
you'll see a nice little logo with this on it. And that is me. Sick. And then uh, if you want to shout out your sponsor one more time, just. Sure. Yeah. My sponsor, Fisher Disc Golf, check them out. They do their stacks twice a week. You can check out their website, check out their social media at Fisher Disc Golf. Really great guys. Never charge for shipping. And uh, yeah, they do run the other rival, your your, your big yeah, rival, yeah. Uh, running it with Nate Sexton podcast as well. So <laughs> check them out. They're really good dudes and they're a local Michigan company. So we'd love to support them too. Hey, I'm always about no shipping. I will, I will spend so much more to get no shipping. Yeah, for sure. Eric literally told a, told me a story earlier this week. He bought something that was more expensive because it had free shipping. It's only $2, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah you might as well splurge then man uh, well thanks again for coming on tony it was yeah seriously man thank you so much for coming on yeah anytime you guys this was so much fun this is what i love so it was nice to chop it up with you guys i always enjoy talking to you eric Powell was so cool to meet you so anytime you guys you ever want to chat man i'll be on and, and if i start doing some of this with my own i'll be sure to have you guys on as well Sweet. hopefully i'll get to catch you for a round soon that sounds great anytime Good luck at your tournament this weekend. Thanks, man. Thanks. I'll put something up to on how it went. So hopefully that playing it blind doesn't go uh, too bad. But if not, like, again, like I said, I don't give a shit. I'm going to go out there and and do it up. I'm going to let them have it, good or bad. Love it. (laughs) All right. Well, thanks again, man. Talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. Today, we talked about the results of the Dynamic Discs Open over in Emporia, Kansas. Pretty sweet tournament. Our hot round scores. We had an awesome Tony Ryopel forehand specialist interview. He put on a little school for us. It was amazing. And then we had a top five with Tony, and he showed off and talked about some awesome forehand discs. Really, really nice plastic. Lots of nice plastic. And Eric, that's episode 15 congratulations we did it you guys did it if you made it to the end of the episode right here thank you so much for listening we appreciate you guys the most go hit us up with a review on apple Podcasts if you could please it's free it's easy to do helps us a lot thank you drop us a message anything honestly we just like to hear from you guys one more thing shout out egypt thank you egypt for listening appreciate you guys Shout us out on Twitter, on Instagram, something. Let us know where you're at, where you're listening, how it's going. All right. That's episode 15. (laughs) Thanks for listening. Every single person that listens, can't thank you guys enough. Thanks for listening, guys. 